Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Well, obviously we know, well, yesterday felt like a summer day, and it's unbelievable that we're in the fall, but without question is pumpkin season. How many of you love pumpkin season? Pumpkin coffee, pumpkin spice, pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie. Like, I'm, I, I made a comment, I think, about like a month and a half ago that they were too early with the pumpkin stuff and Dunkin' Donuts. I love pumpkin, pumpkin stuff, but it has to be in the season. We're in the season now. But, uh, but at that time, a couple of you guys, you pumpkin lovers, you, you were very clear to say that it's pumpkin season all the time throughout the entire year. So how many of you love pumpkins? Raise your hand. Who wants this pumpkin? I'll throw it at you. No, no, no. no. I'll put this little pumpkin here to the side. I'll put it over here. And it's just amazing to think, like with, with the pumpkins, that, I mean, for, uh, for us to realize that in the month of May and June is when they plant them, and they plant the seeds so that we would be able to have them during this season. It takes about three to four months for a pumpkin to mature, you could say, to, to be able to have it. And all of you, uh, should have received a pumpkin seed when you came in. Hopefully you didn't eat it. Um, it wasn't meant for you to eat. Some of you might have been extra hungry this morning and just decided to eat it. But this is a pumpkin seed, and it's unbelievable, really, to think that this seed goes underneath the ground, and being underneath the ground with pretty much dirt, weighing thousands, sometimes pounds, uh, like well, a thousand times um, the, the weight of the seed is above it, and you give it some time, and then a miracle occurs, a miracle occurs. And something else that's um, like amazing to think is not only from a seed, you could end up getting a pumpkin, but the impact is ongoing. Like, literally, this seed is probably not going to know it's pretty much like full length impact because once the new um, pumpkin is born, you could say, that pumpkin has seeds and then more pumpkins and more seeds, more pumpkins and more seeds. And then eventually it's like an ongoing domino effect of the power that, let's say, a little seed has. I'm going to tell you four interesting truths about seeds. Number one is this. Um, There's going to be a picture behind me that you're just going to see a seed um, there as I share it right there. Four truths. One is this. The farmer decides where to plant the seed. The farmer decides where to plant the seed. The seed doesn't tell the farmer where it wants to be planted to grow. The farmer decides where the seed is going to go to grow. 
The second point is this. The seed is completely hidden underground when it's planted. And through the years of my life, and I've seen through the lives of so many people, in the darkest time periods that might surround us, the greatest miracles occur. So here, while it's planted, surrounded by darkness, you could say, yet there's a miracle that's taking place. A third point is this. The seed itself has to die for the miracle to happen. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, Carlos, uh, the seed doesn't die. It transforms. You know what I mean? It, it, It just continues through the process. But the seed itself, in the form that it was placed in, pretty much dies because after you leave it there for some time, you can't stick your hand inside and pull out that same form from the ground. The same exact seed, the way you planted it, won't come back out the way it is after some time. That form completely has to die for the miracle to take place. And there's no way that you could have a miracle without death happening first. And that's important for us to remember. And the fourth point is this. It is impossible, and I see this, I said this before, for the seed to see its full impact of its sacrifice, you could say, of it going to the ground. It's impossible for it to see the big picture of the decision that the seed made to be like, you could say, to be willing, you could say, to be planted um, in, in that sense, they are not able to see the full impact of what's going to take place in the future. Jesus said something very interesting about seeds. And he wasn't talking about pumpkin seeds. He was talking about pretty much kernels of wheat and wheat. You'll see some here behind me in the next picture there, so you could get an idea. But Jesus spoke and he said this in John chapter 12, verses 24 to 25. He said this, very truly I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It's interesting here, Jesus is comparing his life and our lives to seeds. He's comparing it to seeds. And Jesus, of course, in using illustrations, he was able to clearly highlight this to everyone. But his life, he had to die so that there could be a miracle, so that he could produce much fruit afterwards. But in the same way every single one of us were a seed, we have to die to produce many seeds as well. I want everyone right now in the count of three to say really loud, I am a seed. One, two, three. I am a seed. 
Jesus often mentions the cost of pretty much death and the cost that we have to give up everything to follow him. In Luke 14, it says this. Jesus said, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have, everything you have cannot be my disciples. I'm going to read that again. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Jesus here is clearly saying, you have to be willing to give up everything. It's amazing that Jesus doesn't say, look, you know, all I'm asking you to do is give up your Sunday morning for about an hour and a half, two hours, and that's it. You know, Jesus didn't say, I'm satisfied with you showing up to church on Sundays, and that's it. I'm satisfied with you just opening your Bible once in a while, and that's okay. I'm satisfied with you just with the fact of you might pray before you eat that bandeja paisa, because you know that bandeja paisa is not good for el corazón, but it tastes good, though. It tastes good. I love, I love the bandeja paisa. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, it's like, Jesus didn't say all of those different things. Jesus said you have to give up everything. Everything. I mean, if we just sit back and think about that, like that's enough to chew on that we don't even have to say anything else. Everything. That means your family. That means your job. That means your career. That means your dreams, that means your goals, that means your problems, that means your circumstances, that means your to-do list, that means your agenda, that means your money, that means your possessions, that means your apartment, that means your house, that means your certificates of accomplishment, your awards, the, the applause from people, whatever it is, everything is God's. And obviously not just that, more importantly, all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, everything that you are belongs to God. And he says that unless you're willing to give up everything, he says, you cannot be my disciple. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said this to his disciples. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, which means giving up everything, deny yourself, take up your cross, means pretty much that you have to pretty much carry the cross that he's called you to carry and follow him and follow him. In Matthew 10, 38 and 39, it says this, Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me, and of course the cross is a symbol of death, the fact that we have to die to ourselves, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And when you think about that, whoever finds their life will lose it. These are, he's referring to everyone that's trying to find pretty much their life or the meaning of life on their own with everything that the world has to offer. 
He's saying, look, you could be chasing after this all you want, but by you chasing after those things and missing out chasing after him, you're going to end up losing your life in the process. And then he says, then afterwards, he, he says, whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So the moment you surrender everything to God, you lay everything before him, all of a sudden, you start to develop that relationship with the one that made you, the one that knows you, the one that knit you together in your mother's womb, the, no, the one that knows everything about you and knows the plans for your life. And as you surrender to him, he's able to guide you in the fullness of the miracle that you were meant to be. Each and every one of us are meant to be in him. I've said this before, the most powerful spiritual act that you could take every single day is your decisions. Everyone focuses, of course, um, when they say, what's the most powerful thing you could um, do? It's prayer, worship, and read your Bible or uh, memorize the Bible. All those things, of course, are powerful and important, but all those things start with a decision. It starts with a decision. You first have to decide if you're going to pray and then follow through on that decision. And that's what makes it powerful. But your decisions are the most powerful thing. Today, we're going to be in the book of Colossians. And while we're in this book, I'm going to highlight three decisions that every seed has to take. But not just every seed, but every Christian has to take as well. The first one is this, a seed has to be willing to hide. A seed has to be willing to hide. Like a seed that leaves its surroundings and it's willing to hide in the ground, God calls us to hide in him. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it says this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. Don't get caught up with all the stuff that's happening on the earth. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It says, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. One of the things that I often experience, and I think many of you have too, is uh, like if you see a little kid, usually if I see a little kid, one of the first things I say, I go up to them and be like, give me a high five, high five. You know what I mean? And some kids, they're excited. Some, some kids go and go really quickly. They give you the high five. And sometimes, and some kids, you're trying to give them a high five. They'll grab my hand and put it higher because I'm not challenging them enough. They want to go higher to give me the high five. So the high five is a big deal. But then there's other kids that don't want to give a high five. And they're with their parents. What do they do with their parents? They hide. 
they hide right behind the parents. Sometimes they're so quick to hide that I don't even see them do it. I'm like, where are they at? Where are they at? And they're like between their legs on the side there. They're like grabbing their jeans or grabbing their, uh, her dress. Like all of a sudden they're hiding. And why are they hiding behind their parents? They're hiding behind their parents because that is an extremely secure place to be. When you hide behind your parents or with your parents, you just know and feel protected. I know I used to do that. I know that I used to often run and sometimes be, and the moment I'm side by side with my dad, or my mom as a little kid, I automatically felt secure. And this passage is really interesting. It says about being hidden with Christ in God. So that's where I want to be. Because I don't know about you, but lately and throughout my life, I've noticed this world is not easy. There's a lot of problems, circumstances, drama, issues, temptations, attacks. I mean, the list could go on and on. And I know everyone here, maybe at this moment you're experiencing it or you've been through it. And there's no better place to be than be hidden in God. To be in God's presence and to be there with God as you could say, your shield. And I'm gonna tell you a couple things about being hidden with Christ. Number one, you're protected from the enemy. I don't wanna face the enemy mano a mano with the enemy. Like if I'm facing any enemy, I wanna be hidden in Christ and be with God and declare Jesus's name and his authority over any circumstance. So many times I, I, I hear people like, like honestly say like very dumb things. Like sometimes I hear people like, oh man, I'll be beating up the devil. Like, you know, like I, I punch him, you know, like it's like the devil can't beat me today. Not today, Satan, but they forget it's not about them. The devil's not afraid of you or me. Uh, He's afraid of Jesus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's not afraid of any of us. And the reality is, he, he, he would love for you to think that you could go through one day of your life without being hidden in God. He would love for you to think that you could go one day without being in God's presence, dwelling in his presence. Because the moment you leave being hidden in God, and you're roaming around thinking that you could do this on your own, that's you become a perfect target for something to happen. So number one, you're protected from the enemy. Number two, you're saved by his sacrifice because of what Jesus said. You're saved because of what he did. You're hidden in him. You're made righteous in his eyes. Anything good within us is because of what God did. And you're hidden in God. So when God sees you in Jesus, with Jesus, he's seeing Jesus' sacrifice that he's made in and through you and you believing in him. And that's the righteousness that you have. You are separated completely for him. And lastly, you're covered 
by his peace. And how I said, how I said before, a seed has to be willing to hide. The second point is this, a seed has to be willing to die. Once a seed is hidden in the ground, it has to die to the form it was in before so that the miracle could take place. And for every single one of us, if you say that you're a Christian and a disciple, you have to realize that there has to be death that occurs in your life. And when I say death, I mean saying dying to the things that don't belong in your heart and life. There are certain things that just don't belong. And we see this in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. It says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of this, these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these days or these ways. Like I even love the fact the Apostle Paul is saying, he's acknowledging, you know, you used to walk in these ways before you knew God. You used to participate in all these things in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self, that old shell of the seed, you could say, with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. I mean, there's so much there. And I just want you to even take a moment, and I want you to think, out of those things that we highlighted, what really is highlighted within your own heart that you need to put to death out of of those things that we mentioned? Without question, putting something to death is not easy. And how I said before, like, what are the areas in your life you haven't put to death? What are the areas in your life that you're keeping alive? What are the areas of your life that you know that you have to put to death and you haven't? And the reality is sometimes there's certain things in our life that we think we put it to death. We think it's dead or we think it's alive. We're unsure, but we're not intentional to do what it takes to pretty much bring death in that area. I'm going to introduce you real quick um, to my my little daughter. And some of you know my little daughter, Jen and I's little daughter in the back. Here's going to be a picture of Willow right there on the couch. Um, Willow is there. She's really cute. And I think most of you know, she, she's her little, um, little miniature Siberian Husky. Uh, she weighs just like about 28 pounds and she's about five years old. She's the cutest thing in the world. She really is cute. I know you might have your own dog and your dog is cute, but let me tell you, you got competition with Willow. So, uh, but there, Willow's not the only one there. 
the other cutie there, that's Clara, that's there. She's a husky as well. And Clara is the sweetest thing as well. And she has the cutest face. And like right there, how she's sitting, she sits like that. I wasn't even planning to say this, but it's hilarious. But Clara, she sits like that, and you start to rub her head. And if you move your hands, she'll quickly grab her paw and go like this. Like, put it on top of you, drag your hand over to her head again, and say, I haven't given you permission to stop rubbing my head. So you pretty much have to rub her head, like, the whole time. But Clara is Nelson's Diaz's dog. Nelson's up there in the back there. Um, so Clara is a beautiful dog. Now, I had a babysit, um, like, just to know, we babysit just once in a while. Don't get any ideas, all of you? <laughs> just once in a while. Um, actually, Clara lived with us, us for a year and a half before Nelson brought her into her, uh, his house to watch her and um, permanently keep her. But once in a while, we have the honor of watching her. So she, it's a blessing to have her. She plays with Willow running around and stuff like that. But Clara... Clara, there's certain things about Clara that my willow doesn't really do too much. Clara pretty much doesn't like any animal to come into my backyard. If any animal comes into the backyard, uh, there might be certain circumstances that you won't appreciate. Uh, So all I know is that they were acting funny, the dogs. And I go outside to the backyard, and I find this laying down in the backyard, the next picture there. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, that's a possum there. And uh, I saw the possum, and I went back inside. I was like, uh, Jen, um, there's a possum outside. And it's doing those possum-type things that I don't know if it's alive or dead. Um, so then Jenna's like, get it out of here. Like, you know, we're like, she's like, get it out. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to do the brave thing as the man of the house with the muscles. So, uh, I was like, I'm going to go outside with my shovel and I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to pick up that possum, right? I can't tell you how many times I ran from the possum back inside the house. Like, Jen, I'm not sure if it's dead or alive. I saw the tail, like, twitch a little bit. And it's like, I don't know. And I would go back. I could only imagine my neighbors must have had such a great time hearing me squeal. And it wasn't the possum. And the squeal running back and forth with the shovel. like Because all I kept thinking is that while I'm lifting the shovel with the possum with the big black bag, because uh, <laughs> I do have to say Jen wasn't helping me. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> while I'm lifting the shovel with the big black bag, all I could thinking is that the possum was going to be like, psych, I'm alive, and jump. I mean, start gnawing at my beard and chin. I, that's all I kept thinking. So I probably ran from the backyard to the inside of my house like three or four times. And then eventually I tossed it in the bag and it was dead, uh, courtesy to uh, Clara. So clap it up for Nelson, for teaching. Nelson's like, I didn't teach her to do that. So so ended up being dead. But you, you might wonder, it's like, why in the world am I talking about a possum? 
like during this time period, is very simple. Spiritually speaking, there's a lot of possums in our life, pretty much things that we're not sure if they're dead or if they're alive. And we don't give it attention. We don't, we just go through our life and we don't, for a lot of, a lot of things, we don't do what it takes to make sure it's dead. What we end up doing is just accept it as regular life. So for example, let's say, I just give you an example. Let's say once in a while, like you, you have a potty mouth. Like, you know what I mean? Like you like to curse. Maybe you don't like to curse but it comes out once in a while. Once in a while, it twitches. Like the little tail twitches. Like, yo, is that something I should kill in my life or not? Everybody's doing it. Like, you know what I mean? It's accepted in the world, but yet the Bible tells you that we shouldn't. But all of a sudden, it's like, we don't really pay attention how alive it is and how it could hurt us. Or if it's dead, we just accept it as part of our life and we just go on with our life and we tolerate spiritual possums in the backyard of our spiritual life. We tolerate it. We just leave it. We just think it's just all of a sudden these possums become like a pet to us. Becomes a pet. Like we think it's okay to have these things in our lives that might be dead, might be alive, but you know that you shouldn't have it in your life. That it's contaminating you spiritually. It's a door of access to the enemy and it's disobedience to God. But yet we think it's okay to curse. We think it's okay to lust. We think it's okay to watch pornography. We think it's okay to watch Um, to listen to music that doesn't glorify God, but glorifies everything else that's contrary to what God says. We think it's okay to talk down to people, to be sarcastic to people, to, um, to not love people the way that God wants us to love. I mean, the list goes on and on of the things that we tolerate. And the reality is, spiritually speaking, if there's anything in our life that you're not sure if it's alive or dead, spiritually, you got to kill it. You got to kill it. And you kill it in Jesus' name. You do whatever it takes to starve that sin, that temptation, that area of your life out of your life. Because that does not belong in your life. Like when you think about it, it's not just that, like what I mentioned, uh, I want to highlight unhealthy emotions, fear. When I, when I say fear, I'm talking about unhealthy fear. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not from God. God hasn't called you to live uh, in fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So why is it that we think it's okay to live tormented in fear over anything? Over anything. Fear, anger. Obviously, you, you could be angry without sinning, but I'm talking about that unhealthy anger that all of a sudden you transform into a person that's not you and it's not who God called you to be. And all of a sudden you pretty much like say things and do things that you would have never thought you would have been able to do. 
What about worrying? God tells us not to be anxious about every, anything. And we've talked about this. And let me tell you, in my life, that's something I try to apply in my life. I really try not to worry about anything. I really do. Like, because the moment I start to worry in my heart, like, I feel like I'm not trusting God. That's how I just, I feel, the moment I start worrying, like, I'm like, uh, like, I'm not trusting God. So I rather, in that moment of tension between worry and trust, make that spiritual decision, that I'm going to trust you, God. Even if the world is falling apart, I'm going to trust you, God. Even though the circumstances are not the way I would want them to be, I'm going to trust you, God. Even though there's problems right now in my family, I'm going to trust you, God. Even though whatever might be happening in your life right now, choosing to trust him, trust him over everything. What about pride? Having pride, like, you know, like having pride in your life. Temptations, we talked about lust, greed, lies, slander, idols. Anything that you put, anything at this moment, whatever it is, that you're putting above God, it's an idol. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a good thing. It could be your family. It could be your career. It could be money. It could, like, you know, money's not a bad thing. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Whatever it is that you're putting above God, it's an idol, and you have to completely destroy it. And what about the meditation of our heart and mind? You know, one of the things that, like, I, I also feel is that so many times the circumstances of our life highlight what's really inside our heart. And there's sometimes I feel like we're praying to God to change things or to remove things. And God is like, I put it there. I put it there because I want to highlight the things that has to change in your heart and life. And you know what? Sometimes you really get to know someone and you, get to, you really get to see what's in your heart when you're pressed. When there's circumstances, when there's tragedy, when there's things that are unknown, the things that are deep in your heart comes up to the surface. Whenever there's chaos, whenever someone insults you, when someone cuts you off while you're driving on Elizabeth Avenue, and, uh, you know, at that moment, I know you don't roll down the window and invite them to Christ Fellowship. You tell them other things. You know what I mean? Like, whenever all those things happen, it, the things surface, uh, the way you react, the way you react to things is indicators of what's deep in your heart. Because we know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what your heart is filled with, when all the external things are pressing you, all of a sudden it's going to spill out. Whatever's in your heart is going to spill out. And those are indicators of things that you have to go deeper to die. And then, so number two is a seed has to be willing to die. Number three is this, a seed has to be willing to produce. A seed has to be willing to produce. I want to even say this before we continue. Uh, we know very well, and you can see in 1 Corinthians 3, it's not going to be behind me, that God is the one that does the miracle. God is the one that's working behind the scenes and doing everything. But he calls us 
to partner with him to be a part of it. He calls us. And it's our choice. You, you, you don't have to choose to be a part of what he wants to produce and the miracle. But I know in my life, I want to partner with God to do whatever God wants to do in my life. It's like, God, whatever you want, that's what I want to do too. In the book of Colossians, something that's interesting too, and we're not going to highlight this verse. Colossians is just four chapters. You could read it tonight. Um, but something else that the Apostle Paul says that's really interesting is that he pretty much, all of the energy and strength that God gives him, he's dedicating it to bring the believers to full maturity, he says, to full maturity. His goal is not just to get a bunch of fans for Jesus. He wants people to become disciples of God and bring them to full maturity. So here in Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 12 to 17, it says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love how God has a wardrobe for us to wear every single day. So here he pretty much says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have, has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, I love that part too because there's so many people I come across and they tell me, it's like, I can't forgive them. You don't know what they did to me. I don't know what they did to them. And I'm not saying when you forgive them, you're saying what they did was right. You're pretty much forgiving them because God has called you to forgive them. But I love how the Apostle Paul pretty much just says, um, pretty much forgive them. And then he says, For, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I think our list of sins, each one of us is so extensive. And then it says, and over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Then it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. And then I know we were singing earlier about being, um, 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 gracious, being grateful to God. And then it says in verse 16, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And this last verse, Think, think, imagine every single day before you go to work, before you leave your house, before you do anything every single day. Imagine you read this verse before you step out. It says this, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I know in the beginning, I, I mentioned everyone should have received the seed, and it was a pumpkin seed. And one of the things I want to mention is something that's actually very sad, and, and I, I really believe it, it pretty much grieves God's heart, 
is that most Christians live their entire life looking like this. A single seed. Just a single seed. Because they haven't decided to hide in God. They haven't decided to die. And they haven't decided to produce to do what God has called you to do. And you hear what I said? I, I said most Christians are like the seed. Most Christians is like that single seed. And, and I said Christians. I didn't say people. I could have easily said people. Uh, like, you know, and that would be easier to accept. But I would say such a high percentage, the majority of Christians, their life is just like this. Now, I want each and every one of you to look at the seed that you have. You should have it. Hopefully, you didn't lose it. Um, If you don't have it, you could imagine yourself holding one in your hands. But as you look at the seed that's in front of you, I have a simple question to ask you. Is what you're looking at a picture of your life right now? Is it a picture of your life? Is it a picture of your life? Remember the verse that Jesus said, the one that we read in the beginning about the wheat. Unless it dies, you know, like, it's going to remain as a single seed. It has to die. Now, when you look at the seed, does it remind you of your life? Because at this very moment, I want you to be honest with yourself. Have you hidden your life in God? Have you decided to die to yourself? And have you decided for God to produce and do what he wants in your life? And I guarantee you that there's no greater beauty for you to experience than to experience the miracle of having God in your life and to see the miracle that he could do through your life. And by you giving your life to God wholly, completely, surrendering everything and deciding to be hidden in him, deciding to die to yourself and deciding for him to produce in your life, you will not be able to see the impact, the domino effect, the chain reaction that's going to take place for generations to come of the fruit, of the seeds, of the impact spiritually that will take place. So right now, with every head bowed, remember how I said the greatest act spiritually you could do is make decisions, and it's time for you to make a decision. If you choose to give God everything, if you choose to surrender everything to him today, I want you to come forward, come to the altar. You can kneel down. You can surrender the seed that you have in your hand here in the front. You can put it on the altar, just declaring to God. It's like, God, I'm tired of running around with the world. I'm tired of chasing after things that is causing me to lose my life. I want to be hidden in you. 
by you coming forward as well. You're telling God, is that God, I want to put to death those spiritual things in my life that do not please you. I want to put to death anything in my life that does not belong. I want to be able to give you everything and surrender everything to you. So at this time, I, I, I encourage all of you to either stand if you don't want to come forward, but, or come forward and surrender it all during this song. Holy Spirit, we know that you're here in us and in this space, God. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to break every chain that has to be broken. Lift every burden that has to be lifted. Close every door that's been opened to access to the enemy. God, bring the transformation that has to be brought in every life. As the surrender is taking place, and as things are being removed, we pray that you would just saturate their lives and hearts and soul and spirit with your presence even now. That they would feel your presence being poured down upon them right now, God. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. And we don't want to be fans of you, God. We don't want to be just followers of you, God. We want to be true disciples of you, God. Disciples that are willing to pay the ultimate price to follow you, to hide in you, to die to follow you, and to allow you to do the miracle and produce whatever you want to do in our lives, God. We don't decide where we're planted. We don't decide the outcome. You're the farmer in all of this, God. You will make it happen. So we just surrender everything to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. Before you leave, give someone a hug. Let them know that you love them. And as a reminder outside, there's a couple things you get to sign up for. Make sure you sign up for your Thanksgiving meal. Also, any testing, and we also have the men's retreat that you could get information. And if you're new, visiting for the first time, stop by our Welcome Center on the left-hand side for a gift. God bless you. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.